Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. We're doing a, we're doing a brand new series. Uh, we're doing a brand new series and we're calling it, How's Your Soul? How's Your Soul? How is your soul? Pretty neat. Many people don't even think that the one of those exists in life, but uh, man has a soul. We're a spirit with a soul and a body. We're not a body with a soul and a spirit. We're a spirit with a soul that happens to be housed in a body. The body's going back to the ground. The spirit goes to the God that gave it, and that soul is going to rest somewhere forever. It's the seed of our emotion. It's the hope of our life. It's the peace. It's the tranquility. It's the upsetness. It's the decision maker. It's that soul. It's the thing that makes us who we are and the destiny that we will have. Brother Bill said to Laverne, it's so good to see y'all. Let's give the Ballards a great hand. They drive all the way from the other side of of Marble Falls to be with us. I love these people. I'm going to teach today or preach today on what I call the world's worst bargain. The world's worst bargain. My wife is a tremendous uh, Target and Walmart an H-E-B lady. And, and if she's gone from the house, she usually says, left me a message, I'm, I'm at H-E-B, getting something for the kids tonight to eat. And, uh, or I'm at Target, getting something for the grandkids, or I'm at Walmart, picking up something for the house. We used to get the paper every day, and every Sunday, my wife would get in the bed in the, at, before she went to sleep at night and get the paper and start cutting out coupons. I said, baby, good night, turn the light off. We've got enough money to cover those groceries. She said, baby, I just love to collect coupons. And then go into H-E-B, and they tell me my groceries are $29 and something, and I give them all these coupons. <laughs> and it's down to $20 and something. Well, praise God, baby, just keep clipping, just keep clipping. If it makes you happy, just keep clipping. Everybody looks for a bargain, don't we? We all look for a bargain. I tell you, the greatest bargain you ever had in your life was when you found Jesus Christ. Amen. The greatest thing you ever found in your life. So I'm going to teach today. God bless you. You may be seated. You're awesome people. I love you. Everybody say, Pastor, preach to me. Let the word touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach to me. Let the word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach to me. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. Clap your hands real big for that. Amen. Beautiful crowd. Beautiful crowd. I got some news for you. We went to Birmingham, Alabama and did some great, great work on Monday and Tuesday for this church. We went, went, we went to live designs and uh, we got to see virtually what the church will look like when we turn this and make this into a larger auditorium and make it 200 feet long and seat over 1,500 people. Have a brand new beautiful 60 by 90 foyer over here. A brand new area for people to come and enjoy the blessings of God. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. A single lady was asked for her favorite verse of scripture. She said it was Matthew 16 and 24. It says simply this, if any man will come after me, let him. God, that's funny. She was referring to the verse in Matthew 
where Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Mark records the same teaching. Jesus said he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Then he adds these powerful words are on the screen. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? What he's saying is the soul is the most powerful thing in all the world combined. There's not, there's not, well, is, is it more powerful than that kingdom? Is it more power? No, it's, it's more powerful than anything in the world combined. The soul is. There was a boy several years ago, sometime back, that put his soul on sale and sold it on eBay. His name was Adam Bertle. He was a University of Washington student. And he sold his soul for $400. Kind of funny. Uh, but before, he, before his listing was uh, suspended from the site, he said this, please realize I make no warranties as to the condition of my soul. <laughs> as of now, it's near mint condition with only a few minor scratches. Due to difficulties involved removing my soul, the winning bidder will either have to settle for a night of yummy Thai food and cool indie flicks or wait until my natural death because you're not going to have it until I die unless you like indie flicks or yummy Thai food. eBay normally blocks those kind of auctions, but somehow Adam slipped through and the bidding started, you ready for this, at five cents. Five cents. His former girlfriend bid $6.66. That's the mark of the beast number, 666. She didn't, she didn't like him too much. But she was overtaken in the final hour of the auction when a Des Moines, Iowa woman bid $400 and she won the bidding war. Bertle said, I don't think she's going to be able to collect on my soul, to be honest. But I didn't intend for the ad to be taken seriously, he said, I'm just bored and I'm a geek. And so anytime I bo I'm bored, I go to my internet. Oh, we got a lot of bored people in this church. See? <laughs> how many of you fasted internet during our fast? God have mercy. That's the one you ought to fast more than anything. But you got to know, don't you got that need to know? I got to find out what she's doing with him and he's doing with her. <laughs> I know you. My guess is many people have sold their soul simply and solely because they were bored. That's a bad bargain, folks. For what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Jesus said in so many words, we don't live in a world that is simply material. Put it on the screen. We don't live in a world that's simply material. There is a spiritual side to our universe. Several years ago, a popular rock singer named Madonna sang a song to praise to the praise of material girl. The chorus says, we are living in a material world and I am a material girl. I don't know what she is today because I hear she's trying to figure out a way to blow up the White House. I don't know how she is today. I just put in my notes, save us, Lord. Yet she remarks that this is the one song she most regrets recording. Really? What she's saying became her nickname. She should have never recorded, but it stuck. She is now known as the material girl. Actually, to me, she seems fairly confused, especially about the White House thing. But let's face it. Many people in this world live as if it's only a material world. Not long after Jesus taught, folks, gaining the world and forfeiting one's soul, there lived a man named Nero who was an emperor in Rome. And you've heard the, you've heard the phrase, 
Nero fiddled while Rome burned. That may be apocryphal, but we do know that this Roman emperor lived in a glorious splendor. He commanded that gorgeous porches be around his palace a mile long, a mile out from his palace, all the way around his palace, a mile away. The ceiling of his banquet hall had hidden showers that lightly sprayed perfume upon all who came to visit him. His crown was worth a half a million dollars back in that day, and his mules were shod with silver. Whenever he traveled, a thousand chariots accompanied him, and he refused to wear the same garment twice, no matter how costly and beautiful it was. And some of you ladies would like to have that deal, wouldn't you? Taxing the people unmercifully, he was able to pay extravagant sums of money to anyone who could devise new methods of entertaining him. He liked live stuff, he liked lively stuff, and he liked lured and lewd stuff. He liked vulgar things. The immense wealth he had amassed could not satisfy his soul. And so in spite of every pleasure in the world he could afford, Nero took his own life. He died by his own hand. It happens. People seek after wealth. They seek after fame. They seek after pleasure. Every means of escape. Yet if they do not seek God, if they live only for a material world, they never attain satisfaction. Can I declare to you that there is no satisfaction truly outside of knowing Jesus Christ? You know I preach about him all the time and I'm going to keep preaching about him because nobody can satisfy your soul like Jesus Christ. Nobody can save you from a world disaster like Jesus Christ. Nobody can lift you out of the miry clay like Jesus Christ. Nobody can heal your body when it's broken like Jesus Christ. Nobody can do you like Jesus can. Nobody's like him, amen. I need a little help here today. To all you millennials, a young man was born in a log cabin in Oregon and his parents were hippies. And they named him after a river of life. Not the river of life found in scripture, but the river of life found in a novel by Herman Hesse. River Phoenix was one of the most respected young actors of his generation. And as a young man, even as a young early teenager, he made enough money in movies and in television to buy his family a farm. In 1985, at 15, he starred in his first movie, Stand By Me. In 1988, when he was 18 years old, he was nominated for an Oscar at 18 in a movie called Running on Empty. He also played young Indiana Jones in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the last of the trilogy. He had fame, he had wealth, he had respect of his peers, and yet his life ended on a dirty curb outside a trendy West Hollywood club. In the wee hours of Halloween 1993, as a result of a massive drug overdose. He was only 23 years old. Really, River? Really? 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 Was life that bad? Was life that tough? He was hardly noticed by passerbyers as he went into convulsions on the sidewalk outside the club. What happened to him? What happened to that boy? I don't know, but I suspect that it had something to do with the condition of his soul. I think he was in torment. Please do not misunderstand. I'm not standing here in judgment today because I don't do that. You know I'm not that kind of pastor. None of us have that right. But I can't express my sorrow at the waste of a talented young life. I want to tell all the millenniums here today that life can never get that tough. There's always a bomb in Gilead. There's always a Savior that can help you and bail you out of any situation. Come on, clap your hands and rejoice with me right now. Whatever, whatever River was searching for, in life, he obviously didn't find what good is it, asked Jesus, for a man to gain the whole world, fame, fortune, adulation, yet forfeit his soul. 
There's a great king in history that lived from 742 to 814 A.D. His name was Charlemagne. And he lived and conquered most of Western Europe, including France and Switzerland and Belgium and Netherlands and parts of Italy and Germany and Austria and Spain. And everywhere Charlemagne's troops went, they brought education and they brought Christ to the country. They brought Christianity. His rule unified and stabilized Europe because he brought the Christ in with education. Yet in spite of all this power, he arranged at his death to have his body displayed with his hand on his favorite scripture in the Bible. And I use it for a text. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Let me tell you, you don't have to be a pauper to get it right. You can be a king that conquers kingdoms and get it right. Because there's nobody can do you like Jesus can. And there's nobody can heal you like Jesus can. And nobody can save you like Jesus can. In fact, I want to stop right now and say the healing power of Jesus Christ is in this house right now. And the Holy Ghost wants me to tell you, you can be healed by the power of Jesus right now. Come on, clap your hands and claim it where you are. Claim it where you are. The Holy Ghost is in the house right now. Nobody can do that but Jesus. Hallelujah. There's more, there's more in life than just a material world. The second thing that a text implies is we are more than material beings. I'm not a material being, I'm a spiritual being. One eminent philosopher said it best when he said we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. Because the first thing that God created in the garden was male and female. He created spirits because his image is spirit. Then he made a man from the dust of the ground and breathed him the breath of life. And he became a living soul. It may sound a little new age to you, but there's measure of truth to it. In other words, we have a soul. Or better yet, we are a soul. One man who lived in an Arizona mining, copper mining town several years ago, his name was James Kidd. He was deeply troubled in life. And on January the 2nd, 1946, he sat down and wrote out his will. And four years later, he disappeared, never to be heard from again. And authorities responsible for the settlement of his will, 16 years after his disappearance, discovered that he had left almost $200,000. You know what for? For research, for some scientific proof of a soul of a human body which leaves at death. Somebody help me. And many have searched to find the spot in the body which could identify as the soul. Forget it, it's fruitless. You'll find the soul the same place you find love in the heart. You'll find, you'll find the soul the same place you find hope. You'll find the soul the same place, place you find peace. And you'll find, you'll find so, the soul the same place you find joy. And if you're not happy, you'll find the soul the same place you find contentiousness. Because the soul is the matter of the whole being. It is our emotions. It's what we are. It's the person we are. Yet you cannot capture any of these emotions in a test tube. But we know that they exist. Just because you cannot see love, for example, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. We know it exists. We've seen love in action. And just because you cannot find a physical location for the soul within our body does not mean it does not exist. We have a soul. Because I believe the Bible when it said, and he breathed a breath of life into man and he became a living soul. You know what, it, you know what a soul is? It's a breath of God. 
It's the breath of God. It's the thing that gives me hope. It's the thing that gives me joy. It's the thing that gives me contentment. And I promise you, I will not change anything. I won't exchange it for nothing. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Take this whole world, but let me live for God. I want God in my life. And as we start this brand new year, why don't you make that conclusion in your life? I want my soul to be at rest with the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I'm preaching right now and I'm losing my mind, but I feel the Lord in this house. I must. I must be at rest with my soul because my soul is really where it's all at. Paganini was a great violinist and he came out before his audience one day. And he made the discovery just as the applause ended that there was something wrong with his violin. And when he looked at it, he discovered it wasn't, it wasn't his very expensive Stradivarius. It was a little old cheap violin. And he felt paralyzed for just a moment. Then he looked at the audience and he told the audience, I'll be right back soon. He said, I've got to go pick up my violin. I picked up the wrong one. So he stepped behind the curtain, thinking that it was still there where he had left it. But what to his amaze amazement he discovered that someone had stolen his violin and replaced it with this secondhand old one in its place and Paganini remained behind the curtain for just a little moment and then he came before the audience he said and I love it he said ladies and gentlemen I will show you in the next while that the music is not in the instrument but it's in the soul Woo, hallelujah and he played as he had never played before. And out of that secondhand instrument, the music poured forth until his audience was enraptured with enthusiasm. And the applause almost lifted the roof off the building because the man had revealed to them that the music was not in the machine, but it was in the soul. Hell hates that. He hates that there's something in there. That just cries out to God. He hates that there's an unnamed place. Because they scientists one day weighed a man just before he died and weighed him right after he died, thinking the man would weigh less when the soul left. No, no, no. It was just a whisper of God that walked out of that body. Because the soul that's in us is going to live forever somewhere. And I promise you, hell, you can't bug me. I got it tied up with Jesus. And there's nothing in this world, nothing you can offer, nothing you can bargain me with because I'm not going to be bargained out of what God has put in my life. My soul will be happy only in the presence of Almighty God. I'm sorry I'm throwing down so much here in this third service. Everybody say we were created in the image of God. Now that doesn't mean God looks like us. It means there's something divine within us. The soul is who you are. It's what makes you distinctive. You're more than a nose and a mouth and a pair of ears and some arms and legs. You have a distinct personality. Even if we could eliminate all your physical characteristics, you, the real you, would still exist. That's your soul. That's your soul. That's your soul. Hallelujah. I love the book of Psalms, chapter 77, talks about the soul. He said, my soul cried out to you, Lord, the living God. In other words, he said, I tried a lot of stuff, but my, my soul just wouldn't be comforted. The only place it'd be comforted was in your presence. Let me tell you, millennials and the midlifers and the older people in this audience today, let me tell you something. There is no exchange 
for your soul. There is no exchange. You, get, you put that soul on the market, you're going to lose. Because everything is below the quality of what God put inside of us. It's beneath it. We're spiritual beings living in a material world. And we're not going to let that material world take advantage of what we have on the inside of our lives. Clap your hands real big and say, I love you. I love the world. Dr. Warner von Braum said it this way, and I'm going to put it on the screen. I'm going to read it real slow, but this is powerful. You might, want to, you might want to take pictures of this with your phone when I put it on the screen. Science tells us that nothing in nature, not even the tiniest particle, can disappear without a trace. Nature does not know extinction. All it knows is transformation. Now, if God applies this fundamental principle to the most minute and insignificant parts of his universe, doesn't it make sense to assume that he applies it also to the masterpiece of his creation, the human soul? And everything science has taught me and continues to teach me strengthens my belief in the continuity of our spiritual existence after death. Nothing disappears without a trace. Everything's going to be accounted for that God created. There's more than a material world. And simp- we're, not, we're more than just simply material creatures. We have a soul. And so Jesus gave us these words. He said, take care of your soul. Take care of it. Look at your neighbor and say, the pastor's preaching right now. Take care of your soul. If your soul is all that survives you after death, then you ought to take care of your soul. All this stuff that you've tried to accumulate in life. And listen, I want to stop right now and tell you, I want everybody in this house to be a millionaire. I want you to have everything you need in this world to make you a, a profitable person. But don't you ever let that, that stuff get better than God in your life. I tell our kids, I tell our kids that go off to college, go get your education, but don't you let education get you. And I'm telling you, make all you can make, but don't let that become your God. Your God is still in here. Your God is still your life. Your God is still your hope. Your God is still your peace. Somebody help me preach right now. Your God is still the answer to every situation in your life. Your God. Your God. Take care of your soul. I put in my notes, and I didn't tell the first two sessions this, but I put W-O-W in parentheses. Wow. Take care of your soul, guys. Take care of your soul, young people. Take care of your soul. I don't care how good it smells, how good it looks. Esau comes in from a big old hunt one day, and it's about time for daddy to pass out the birthright and the inheritance. Jake has been cooking some stew. Mama taught him how to cook. Daddy taught Esau how to hunt. He comes in and he said, man, I'm hungry, Jacob. Jacob said, it's inheritance time. Man, I'm hungry, Jacob. Did you hear me? Who are you making that stew for, for daddy? I'm making it for daddy because it's inheritance time. Man, could you spare some for me? You want to sell out? You want to give me your portion? I ain't that hungry. Well, I'm just going, I'm just going, I'm going to pass it in front of you, smell it. Oh, God. Oh, God, I'm famished. I didn't get anything in the hunt today, so I have nothing to eat. God, I'm famished. 
Huh? Yes, I will sell out. Smelt good, tasted good, but when it was over, it was just a full belly and a lost birthright. I don't care how good it smells. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care how wonderful it seems. Nothing can exchange for your soul. There's nothing. December 2005, Al Giglin, 64-year-old grandfather of seven kids, decided he was going to rob some small banks in Illinois because he'd got himself into a deep financial hole. So he went and robbed several banks. The amazing part of it, he had three wonderful sons. And those sons went into that bank and wanted to look at the, at the video cameras. And when they saw them, they realized that that was their daddy. And they looked at one another and said, this is the only thing we can do because daddy taught us this. So they went and turned their daddy and their dad went to prison. Pretty sad. But the, but the point was the dad at one time valued life and he valued family. And he valued what he put in his kids and he valued the things that were important. And he valued it so much that his kids maintained their dignity with right. And the daddy lost his way because it smelled good and it looked good. And it was awesome to be around. And money, the love of it's the root of all evil. And so the boys turned him in. The daddy went off to prison because he had failed in his life to live what he had taught to his kids. On another front, contrast that story with another father who tells about his little girl. She was riding in the back seat of a Honda Civic, dilapidated Honda Civic, 12 to 14 years old. Civic had been wrecked a couple of times. And she's back there in a the little car seat. She said, Daddy, I wish everyone was as rich as we are. There's a family with priorities in order. The world ain't worth it, kids. The world ain't worth it, young people. The world ain't worth it, middle-agers. The world isn't worth it. There's nothing in this world worth trading you're so far. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, we may live in a material world, but we're not people of materialism. We're people of the cross. And we are people that value the concept of a soul inside of us. When I was working on this, I, I had to stop several times because I would break down and just mess up. Because I got to thinking how, how powerful that statement was. What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world, everything in it, and lost this little old breath of air that gives us a peace about tomorrow? It's not worth it. Say it with me. It's not worth it. It ain't worth it. So when somebody walks up with something that smells good, something looks good, something feels good, and you know your soul is in the balance, turn around and walk away. Just turn and walk away. Because you've got to preserve your soul. Your soul matters to God. Far more than anything in this world. Clap your hands and rejoice because the word has come true.
I want Brother Ricardo to come back here, but I want Brother Randy to come right now and help me out here just a minute. I had played a I had played a basketball game in in our in our college, a little junior college in West Texas, and we had we had won that night. We had beat some boys and and uh, those guys were they were pretty good losers because we wore them out. But they they had uh, they had come they had come and they they wanted to, they wanted to kind of go out and just kind of fellowship after it's over. So so I got in a car with five other guys. We didn't have no we didn't have no middle seat. It was a six seater then, you know those old cars. And I was in the back right seat. And 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 on our way to where we were headed, they pulled out some alcohol, and uh, and they said we have, we have come tonight to make you drunk, Rex, for the first time in your life. And I uh, I wouldn't I, I probably wasn't as kind then as I am now because I. Uh, I was, ready to, I was ready to take them all one-on-one on one or one-on-five. I was going to whip them all, just wear them out, or run from them. They couldn't catch me. <laughs> but I said, I, I appreciate if you'd stop the car here. And they stopped the car, and I got out of the car, and I closed the door, and I said, guys, I'll be your friend, but I'm not going to get drunk with you tonight nor tomorrow. I'd like to, I'd like to declare something. Two of those young men came to know the Lord. And the other three, the other three, never lost respect for the man that I was that night. They'd always come up to me and they'd say, hey, hey they, they call me coach. Hey, coach, I got, I got this problem with this woman. What do you think I'll do? Leave. And they'd leave. I became their pastor because I said, I'm not going to exchange this soul anything I didn't know about preaching then I didn't know if I was going to preach the gospel didn't know but I knew that if I exchanged my soul I have an addictive personality you know about me and Bluebell <laughs> I may not be preaching the gospel today I may be living in bars and nightclubs and drinking myself silly at night but I'm standing in the pulpit preaching the gospel because what does it profit a man who gains the whole world and loses his soul? And I'd like to declare that I'm not square and I'm not silly and I'm not stupid. But I made a decision one night. And that decision has taken me to places I never dreamed. Because when you decide to decide, that there ain't nothing in this world that's worth losing my relationship with Jesus over. Then all of a sudden you've got a foundation to go into 2017 and say, this is the greatest thing I've ever got a hold of, Pastor. And you're going to come in this house worshiping God and loving God with everything that's in your being. Stand to your feet and worship the Lord with me. Clap your hands and let's celebrate the word of the Lord here today. Let's celebrate the word of the Lord here today. Let's celebrate it. Amen. 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 Glory. I don't tell stories like that to boast. I don't tell stories like that to brag. I tell stories like that to let you know that there's a stance you can take. 
and there's a place you can stand that God has your back. Amen. Amen. So, we're going to take communion. Fasting's over. Some of y'all glad of that, aren't you? I am. <laughs> and in and, and, and a little while, we're going to go outside, and you're going to get a blessing on your way home. It's going to ruin your lunch, but who cares? But we're going to, we're going to take communion together. And uh, we're going to share this gr- glorious, glorious day of breaking our fast with communion. The fast ended yesterday. And, and, and I, want you to, I want you to receive it. How many of y'all have got your communion cups? Would you raise your hand? All right, those that don't have, I'm sorry, those that don't have them, would you raise your hand? Raise your hand. If you don't have them, raise your hands. Raise your hands. If you don't have them, all right, raise your hand. Get them. Get them, ushers. Thank you. Can I commend you once again for this beautiful crowd on third service? Can I commend you? I am so proud of you guys. I'm so proud of y'all. I, I just, I'm like a father to you. I just hug every one of you and say, wow, thank you. Thank you for making third service so special. And we're going to fill y'all up up there. You hear me? We're going to fill all that up up there. We're going to be standing room only before it's over because God is in the house. He's in this place. Somebody got their healing today too. Amen. So we're going to, we're going to receive communion. You know, you know I, I, when I studied the, the death of Jesus Christ, he bled from seven places. Three of them were from his head. Then he bled the fourth place from his hands, the fifth place from his feet, the sixth place from his back, and the seventh place from his side. So he bled from the perfect number of places, seven, because Calvary was the perfect sacrifice. But in those three places in his head, he bled from his brow in the Garden of Gethsemane at great drops of blood. Sweat became his great drops of blood for the anguish that we would feel in our lives. He wants to help us with our anguish and with our, our hurt. And then when he took the crown of thorns on his head, it was platted from the curse of the ground in the Garden of Eden. The Lord cursed the ground because of Adam and Eve's sin. He cursed the ground. Thorns and thistles make up the ground. They made that, that, that crown of thorns from the ground. And, and, and when his blood touched that crown of thorns, it broke the curse of sin. Hallelujah. So that your mind will not be contaminated with the thought that you can't make it and you have to sin all the time. And then they plucked his beard. Beard was on his face and face determines direction. Wherever you're looking is where you're going to go. And if we can get the head right, if we can get this thing all fixed up here and get the anguish away and get the sin question answered and get our direction focused, we're headed somewhere. We're headed somewhere. that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.